a nine-year-old boy, a nine-year-old girl walked into a jewelry store, one of the fanciest jewelry stores in Tel Aviv, here in Israel. You're talking about a jewelry store that isn't just a jewelry store, but you're talking about pieces of jewelry that are worth, that only start, the prices from $2,000. That's where it starts from, and upwards, right? So a little girl walks in, you can imagine, you know, all the people behind the desk are like wondering, what is this little nine-year-old girl walking into such a fancy jewelry store here in Tel Aviv? But anyway, you know, they're not going to say anything, and she looks around, and she, you know, she's looking, and she's choosing, you can see she's concentrating on what she's doing, she's obviously looking for something. And then she calls over a person who happens to be the owner of the store, and she says, okay, I've decided I'd like that bracelet. So he looks at her and says, with a nice big smile, my, my little girl, what do you need that bracelet for? So she says, I want to buy it for my older sister. That's very nice of you, he says. Why do you want to buy this bracelet for your little sister? So she says, listen, she swallows hard and she says, I don't have a mother and I don't have a father. But my older sister keeps us going, she brings us up, she basically cooks, she basically cleans, she does everything in the house. And we got together, all the brothers and sisters in the family, and we'd like to buy her something to show our a deep appreciation and her chorus, her for everything that she does. But she says, don't worry. I bought money, I'm paying for this. So she takes out her wallet, and this big bulging wallet, and she empties it onto the counter, and all the, you know, tenagurots start flying all over the place. And the guy's patiently smiling, and he's saying, okay, this is interesting. And he pulls it out, and he's counting, and counting, and counting. It was seven shekel and eighty agarot. Right? Two dollars, something like that, two and a half dollars, whatever the rate is, right? You're talking about not a lot of money, the three thousand dollar bracelet. And the guy looks at her and he says, wow, that's exactly how much this bracelet cost. Exactly. And he wraps it up for her and she's beaming and she walks out of the store with a $3,000 bracelet that she bought for 7 shekel and 80 agarot. Two hours later, an older girl walks in and says, can I speak to the manager of the store? And the same man that served the young girl that we talked about a moment ago comes over and says, yes, I'm the manager. What can I do for you? She says, I'm so embarrassed. My sister walked out of this store and had a bracelet which she didn't pay for. He said, what are you talking about? He said, what do you mean? I know my sister. She can't have more than maybe $10. And this one costs at least $3,000. It's impossible for her to have paid for it. He said, let me tell you something. She paid for it in full. She paid seven shekel, 80 agarot, and a broken heart. He said, every single day there are people that are coming in here buying jewelry and all of them can afford it. They're buying it for their wives. They're buying it for their, for their colors, whatever it may be. At the end of the day, they can all afford it. But when your sister came in, and I saw the love that she had for you, yes, she couldn't afford it. I realized that. But the broken heart that she had was good enough to pay for the bracelet in full, and I'm giving it to her for that money. The Rav that heard this story directly from the jeweler, said, isn't that amazing? It's exactly what happens to us on Rosh Hashanah. We roll up into shul, into Rosh Hashanah and we want to buy the most expensive thing in the world it's called life the most expensive thing in the world nothing else in the world matters more than life and we want to buy it do we have the money to pay for it? Could we afford it? Do we have the suyas? Do we have the mitzvahs? Do we have the Torah? Were we such good people that HaKadosh Baruch Hu owes us life on Rosh Hashanah maybe I speak for myself but I don't think so we can't afford it but come Rosh Hashanah, when we come to shul, 
And we say to the Rabbani Shalom, all right, I know I can't afford it, but please, I beg of you, I'm going to be better, it's going to be a great year, I'm going to try my best. We come up with these more agarots and more agarots, and eventually we'll end up maybe to seven shekel and eighty agarots, and mitzvahs that we can promise Hashem. What's Hashem going to say? No problem. Yes, I see you can't afford it. Yes, I see that. It's difficult for you. You're not really, really earning it. But at the end of the day, I can see the love that you have. And I can see what you're trying to offer. And I'm going to see what you're trying to do. I'm going to give you life. Rabbi Sai. Every single person here received an invitation. Every single person here received an invitation. It's like those invitations that you get for the chasana. You're like, wow, how is that so quick? It's unbelievable. So it comes with Shaydish Elul. We received an invitation. In 30 days, you're going to stand in front of Melech Malche Hamlochim, who's going to decide everything about your life. Absolutely everything. How much money you're going to make, how happy you're going to be, how healthy you're going to be, what's, what's the situation at home, what's the situation in business, what's the situation in learning, what's the situation, everything. You're going to stand there in shul, and Rabbi said, the days are ticking away, the moments are ticking away, we're getting closer and closer and closer. The invitations have been given out. It's coming up. What are we about to do? I want to speak for a few moments, and this was the purpose of today's shame. A little bit of appreciation of the time that we're in. Where are we holding? What are we doing? You know, people come to yeshivas, you know, Elu, you know, the whole thing, and the whole scary. You know, what are they trying to do? They're trying to scare us? That's not the point. We're not here to scare people. You know, we just had the summer holidays, we had vacation with me alone, I just had a great vacation, I've been up to up, up, upstate New York, had a great time, Catskills, had a wonderful time, to leave me alone with the Elul stuff already, you know what I mean? I just walked into Yeshiva, take it easy on me, Rabbi, don't make it so heavy. But the answer is, boy said, I don't know, I don't have a choice. How long have we got? How long have we got till we come to this shul right here? In how many days are we going to be standing here with the shofar being blown right over there by the beamer? And we're going to say to the Rabbani Shalom, we want a good life. Any person over here doesn't want a good life? Can anybody raise their hand if you don't want a good life, you don't want health, you don't want happiness, you don't want money, you don't want good parents, you don't want good children eventually, good shaduchim eventually. Everybody wants something, and it's all decided on Rosh Hashanah. So that means right now, what are we doing? Preparation. Right? I often prepare chasanim before the chasana, before the, chasana, before the wedding. I prepare them for the chasana. The best preparation is to understand what the wedding is. The best preparation I can give a chassan before his wedding is to understand, do you know what a wedding is? Do you know what it can accomplish? Do you know what it represents? So the best thing we can do right now is to understand what are we doing now? What is the time that we're holding in? We're holding in Elul, in the middle of Elul already. Rosh Hashanah is only around the corner. We're going to be asking the Rabbani for a good life. Let's understand what that means. Let's understand what we're trying to do. There was a famous Misa with a soldier of Tsar Nicholas, who was walking on the street one time, and the soldiers of the Tsar were very, very important Khashiva people, and he saw rolling on the streets a drunk man. And he sees this drunk guy rolling on the streets, he says to him, excuse me, get up please, I need to ask you a few questions. So that guy's drunk, he's rolling all over the place, he has no idea what this guy is, what he wants for me. He's rolling, he's having a great time. The guy says to him, get up, I need to ask you some questions. See, he's rolling around, he doesn't care. He says, I am a soldier of the Tsar Nicholas and I demand of you to get up now. And he does it, laughing away. Who are you? I don't know what you're talking about. And he's rolling all over the place. He instructs his soldiers behind him to take him and they throw him into prison. And eventually he comes to the court to be judged for his misdeed of not listening to the soldier and the, one of the generals of the army. And he says, 
to the judge, what do you want from me? I was drunk. I was meant to know. What do you want from me? I was drunk. I had no idea what I was doing. The judge says to him, oh no, it doesn't work that way. Because when you hear that there's a soldier, there's a, there's a, there's a representative of the Tsar, Nicholas, you just get up. You get, forget the drunk, you just get up. You've got no choice. So the Maestas Forum say the same thing by us. The whole year, we're drunk. The whole year, we're running around and we're drunk, we don't care. Everything's great, having a great life, I'm relaxing, everything's wonderful, everything's great, beautiful. Once a year, Rabbi Isai, Elul comes along. We hear the shofar as we can speak right now. It's supposed to wake us up, like the Rambam says. You know, the psychologists, the psychiatrists just came up with a new thing, a brand new theory. They just came up with it. They're all excited about this new theory. Their theory is that if you stop every single day and you sort of meditate, like during the day, just for a few minutes, you meditate during the day, it's an amazing thing. It can actually help your life. You can become healthier. You can become a better person, more productive, right? That's what the psychologists just came up with. We call this mincha. You stop for a few moments and you realize who's running the world. That's what Elul is. A whole year we're running around doing whatever we want. We'll do whatever we please, whatever's gishmat, whatever's interesting, whatever, you know, whatever we want. Once a year, hold on a minute, it's Elul. Rosh Hashanah is coming. We need a new year. There's a Rabbi who runs the world. Maybe think for a moment what you can do to make your life better. And that's important. So as far as I bring down that when a person is Rahman Litzlan sick, the first thing he does, he runs to doctors to see what he can do. Maybe we have to do the same thing if a person is spiritually sick. If a person is in a situation where spiritually he's not where he should be holding, we should be running to see what can we do? How can we improve ourselves? How can we make ourselves better? That's what we're doing here. That's what an error is. Stop. Think. What are you doing? What's your purpose in the world? says in the beginning. What were you put here for? What was the purpose? What was the reason why we're here? Was it to watch movies, eat falafel, take pictures, a year in Israel? It's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. Is that the purpose why we're here? Or maybe there's a higher purpose. Maybe the reason why we're here is really to become something, to accomplish something, to make ourselves better, to really improve in ourselves. Remember Victor Miller, the biography that he has, so they write over there, an interesting thing, he once said over a marshal, and he said in Slobodka, this was something really that he understood, that uh, if a CEO of a huge company hires someone, he hires an auditor, someone to look over his books, to look over the accounting, to look over everything that's going on in the business. And imagine, if after going through the whole business, he says to the CEO, you're doing an amazing job. Wow, what a business you're running. Everything is according to the books. You're doing great profits. You're doing, everything's amazing. What's the CEO going to answer to him? You know what he's going to say? You fool. That's not why I hired you. I didn't hire you to tell me what a good job I'm doing. I hired you to find something that I'm doing wrong in some way that I can improve. Because then I can make a better business. I can make more money. Said Ravik de Miller Zatzal. It's the same thing with us. Same thing if we go through our lives saying everything's great. Everything's wonderful. What do you want? Rabbi, I'm a good Jew. I go to my Dafyomi share. I got my donuts. I have my coffee over here. I'm a good Jew. I'm going to see him a Shas at the end of seven and a half years. I finish Shas. I'm a great Jew, Rabbi. What do you want from me? Abosai, think a minute. What are you doing here? What's the point of our existence? The Dubna Magid, I'm going to finish with this, said over an amazing marshal. He said, you imagine you have a thief. A thief in a certain town is always looking for ways to make money and he notices a way to make money. 
he sees that the owner of a particular very successful store gives the deposit of the money of the cash that he makes every single Friday to a young boy who takes it to the bank. And every Friday he watches, he's watching every Friday, this guy's taking a huge wad of money to the bank. And he thinks to himself, how can I get that money? What can I do to try and steal that? Obviously I can't just outright take it from him, otherwise we'll cause an uproar. I've got to find a way. So he figures out a great plan. He goes to the local tailor, right? In those days people, you know, didn't buy suits. He had to make a suit to measure. So he went to the local tailor and he said, listen, I have been sent from one of the wealthiest people in town to make a suit for his son. So he said, oh wow, wealthy guy, unbelievable, I make a lot of money over here. No problem. Give me the sizes. He says, I don't know the size. So Taylor says, all right, find me someone outside that's a similar size to the son of the rich man, because obviously he's not going to send his rich man's son, not going to send his son to the store over there, they don't do these things. So find someone similar, and I'll measure him, and it will be equal. The thief says, no problem, I'll find somebody. That Friday, that boy walks past. He walks up to him and says, listen here, I, I'm, I'm coming from the tailor's store. I have to find you for a few minutes to walk into the tailor's store and get measured up because you're exactly the same size as a very wealthy man's son and we need to buy a suit for him and we need to have his size and you're exactly the same height, you're the same, well, everything's great. Please come in for a few minutes. So he thinks, all right, you know, do a tova, do a chesed, why not? He walks inside. Here, takes off his jacket. The thief is watching because inside the jacket is the wad of cash. He takes off his jacket and the tailor starts measuring. As he's busy measuring it, the thief walks off with the jacket. Eventually the guy sees it, starts running out, but it's too late. It's gone. Said the Dubna Maggit, it's exactly the same thing. That's exactly what the Yetzirah does to us. The Yetzirah comes to us and he dresses us up in different clothing and says, Oh, it's so gishmak, it's so interesting. Everybody here knows the famous Moshe. I'm going to repeat it only for the sake of the repetition and the Chazorah. Of a king that owed a tremendous favor to one of his subjects. And he said to him, Listen here, you have the opportunity to go into my treasury for one hour. That's all you got. You can take whatever you want. Free shopping spree. Take a cart. Off you go, and just take whatever you want. You can imagine the gold bars that are piled up over there, the wads of cash. It's an amazing sight. And the guy's so excited, he's all preparing himself for what he can take, and he's finding out what's best, and what's worth more money. And finally the day begins. And he comes into the palace, and he's escorted in, and he said, listen, this is an amazing opportunity, we wish you the best of luck to make the most amount of money. You've got one hour, remember. After one hour, the door is locked, and it's all over. I said, no, an hour's plenty of time. I have a huge cart, I have another couple of them piled over there. I'll put, don't worry about me, I'll be fine for the next hour. He walks in to the treasury. Wow, the sight of the sparkling gold, jewelry, the diamonds, everything takes him by surprise. Never seen anything like this in his life. And then all of a sudden, the band starts. But this is not just a band. This is a 74-piece symphony. This is like unbelievable. The music. And this guy loves music. He loves music and he watches this band. He's enthralled by this band. I'm like, wow. How do they do that? The violins and the flutes and the clarinets. And I don't know all of these wonderful, wonderful instruments that they have. And this guy just like entranced by this music. And the time is ticking and ticking and ticking. And little does he realize his hour is almost over. And just as the hour is over, he's enjoying the end of this wonderful piece of music. The king's guard comes in and says, I'm sorry, your time's... What do you mean? Well, just give me a minute. I was just listening to music. I just didn't mean a couple of things. He managed to grab a couple of bars of gold and he runs out. That's our life. It's exactly the same thing. We walk into life and we get entranced and thrilled by the wonderful music that's around. Maybe it's music. Maybe it's other things. Whatever it might be. And then all of a sudden the time's up. But boys say, Rosh Hashanah is not long. It's not long. It's an opportunity for all of us to use every moment that we have. Every possible moment to become a better person. 
to think what we can do to become a better person. How many older people wish that they had their younger years with them. That they could really grow, that they could become something, that they could work on themselves. This is the time. should give us all a tremendous amount of We should all grow. We should use our time. And in Hashem, when Rosh Hashanah comes, we'll have a productive Rosh Hashanah and in Hashem a wonderful, successful and happy year. Have a wonderful day.